Welcome to the podcast, UFOWarning.com. If you haven't been by the website, stop by and check it out, UFOWarning.com. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about a very strange uh, occurrence that happened back in 1988 near Lawson, I believe that's how you pronounce it, Lawson National Forest in Northern California. I found this case on uh, nationalcryptidsociety.com. And it's an investigative case that one of the one of the reporters did there. Uh, you can look it up. It's NCS NCS case file number eighty report of multiple Bigfoot UFO abduction in Northern California. Uh, location is stated as Highway thirty six near Lawson National Forest, Northern California. Date February second, nineteen eighty eight, and the experiencer who submitted the case is known simply as Michael. Now what you know right away with this report is they tell you uh, where the incident happened, uh, who it happened to the best they can, and when it happened. He starts off by saying, uh, I and a then friend, this is the experiencer, were playing cards on the 2nd of February 1988 and he wanted to take me home as he had to be up early for work. We left his apartment and as he was driving I brought this to his attention the turnoffs to be on my road. He missed each one, and suddenly we both felt sedated with a heavy feeling in our abdomens. He looked at me and said, We're going to save its life. Now, this is where it gets really strange. Apparently, these two guys uh, had been hanging out together that night, and the one fellow takes the other fellow home. And on the way home, um, both of them just kind of end up in a rather, I don't know, I guess you call it a lucid state where. They're not really um, sure what they're doing. They're definitely not driving home. But as he says, the one fellow decides he has this overwhelming uh, urge to save something's life. He says he stopped the car and a loud series of three electronic sounding beeps came from the rear of his car. The next day, we discovered a perfect round circle where the car's paint and primer were were gone only shiny steel. So they've had missing time. They get back home the next day. And the car has this uh, round saucer-shaped spot of paint missing from it. And it's just uh, very shiny steel underneath. We walked up a snowbank and under a bright full moon, with it being made brighter from the snow, my eyes adjusted. And at a distance of less than 50 feet, I saw an 8 to 9 foot hairy creature. So here it looks like the experiencer is kind of going back and forth in his testimony. Uh, It looks as if they've been driving down the road. They more or less black out, and the next thing you know, uh, they're walking up this uh, snowbank in a full moon, and he sees an eight to nine foot hairy creature, and he says, uh, I could see that its hair or fur was brown with silver tips. This is only a part of an ongoing investigation, it says, and then uh, points out that uh, there were two more Bigfoot that they saw after that. So the experiencer seems to be a little bit hazy about his details. The reporter gets back in touch with him to try to fill in the blanks. And he finds out then the guy goes ahead and tells him that he had missing time. Um, he explains that when they uh, found themselves outside of the car, they uh, walk up the snowbank hill. And what do you know, but there are two Bigfoot here and four small humanoids with large heads and eyes that stood to be three to four foot tall. Now he goes on to say that uh, the Bigfoot that his friend had seen and the two small men uh, escorted him 
to the left side of a round disc-like object while the remaining members of the group, a Bigfoot and two small men, escorted the other fellow uh, to the right where there was also another disc. And he has a diagram here. So he shows, the experiencer shows himself, a Bigfoot, and two little people headed to one saucer while his friend is headed to another saucer with another Bigfoot and uh, two little people. And it seems almost as if the little people are kind of running the show and maybe the Bigfoot is just there for muscle and to make sure that they get these guys on the ship. He says, I turned in both nervousness and mild fright and asked, why are they taking him that way? One of the small men turned and facing me and via telepathy conveyed to me, he's different than you are. So he's telling us that him and his friend are being separated because his friend is different than him, which kind of makes sense in a way. Um, a lot of these people that are abducted claim that they're told they're different. Maybe they've got a different DNA makeup. Maybe there's something to do with, you know, their RH negative. I mean, maybe it's a, just a DNA thing. But we hear this theme over and over again that a certain type of person is abducted because they're different. I again have missing time at this point, but I come aboard, but I come to aboard the disc. He says, when I met up with the evening's driver, he looks at me with excitement bordering on zealous, zealousness and says, aren't you glad we came? We saved his life. Now, this is something that he never really resolves in um, his account of the experience. Uh, it's as if his friend, um, maybe they needed, needed him for some type of blood donor. Maybe they needed him for some type of uh, tissue donor. You wonder, because a lot of these abduction cases, you hear about people uh, having tissue or blood or different types of, you know, uh, samples taken from their body. So maybe in this case, his friend uh, possessed some particular DNA or some particular blood type that uh, the aliens needed to save the life of whoever's life it was, it was that they were saving. Um, he says that after that, uh, after the whole encounter happened, uh, his friend apparently didn't feel so good about it later. He said that he asked him what happened after that. His friend got upset and said that he would never talk about it, talk about it again. And in fact, uh, him and his friend uh, just pretty much quit being friends. It was almost as if uh, whatever happened to this fellow traumatized him enough that after, you know, it seems like the aliens had uh, done something to both these guys to more or less sedate them. And they remember being loaded onto the spaceship, probably in a sedated state. The one guy, it seems like he was just parked on there because, you know, he's collateral. They don't want to maybe hurt him, but they don't need anything from him. So they just stick him on the ship waiting for his friend to, uh, you know, uh, be harvested, whatever they need to get off of him, whether it was blood, tissue, whatever. And the other fellow, whatever happened to him on that ship, when he was in this period of sedation, as if somebody slipped him a roof or something. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but that's how it seems. Because he comes off the ship and he's like, he seems quite happy and, and quite ecstatic about, oh, he's been so helpful. But then whatever they gave these two guys to put them in that sedated state to begin with wears off. And then all of a sudden he doesn't have such a good memory about what happened. And in fact, the fellow uh, who was used as a donor is so upset about it that he says he'll never talk about it again. And in fact, you wonder kind of what happened between these two guys because he does point out that they no longer have contact with each other. 
And, and as I read the, the experiences report, he does a decent job of telling us what happened, but uh, the details are just a little sketchy, but that's what I would expect from somebody who has been uh, extremely traumatized by a, uh, an experience like this. I mean, you've got, you've got some really big paranormal things happening. You've got the Bigfoot encounter. You've got the little people encounter. You've got the abduction. And then you have his friend being used as some sort of a donor. And then his friend being so traumatized by it that uh, basically he suffers PTSD, is what I would call it. And they're no longer able even to maintain a friendship. And in my opinion, it's because, you know, the sight of his friend probably just triggers him to remembering what happened that night. And it was probably whatever happened that night inside that disc was so upsetting to him that he would rather just lose his friendship than to have to relive it every time he sees his buddy. Now, um, they go on and they talk a little bit more here. He says, we were off-road, so I'm not exactly sure where it was, except that it was along 36. So, uh, the... Uh, the reporter sends him back a few more questions and he asks him about the electronic beep sounds that he heard and uh, which never seems to get fully explained. Uh, he asks him, he asked him to, to describe a little bit more about uh, the area that it happened to. This was near Lawson Forest and that's what it sounds like too. He discovered, you know, he talks about having to cross a creek or a stream in the snow. And then um, down toward the end, he, this is where it gets kind of a little bit concerning because the fellow tells him, and I could see this maybe is part of the reason why it comes through in the report that he seems a little anxious, a little agitated, and still a little bit scared, afraid about what happened. He, the experiencer tells the cryptid uh, reporter, uh, he says the investigator, this is an individual who called and claimed that he was from a you know, national UFO investigation. He says the investigator said they were with a well-known civilian investigative group, which he didn't name. Yet in retrospect, I find it odd that all contact questioning was carried on over the phone. Neither my friend nor I ever met the man in person, and it was the investigator that my friend in his panicky phone call said, don't talk to him anymore, he's with the government. It was right after this call that we were observed, followed by the black helicopters, so that part's an unknown is neither of us ever met him. So this actually takes it up to another level of strangeness. He says, um, and then the, the investigator from the cryptoid talks to him a little bit more about, you know, some of the experiences on the craft, which he really doesn't seem to be able to clearly recall um, inside the disc. He is able to recall the uh two small beings, he calls them, three to four foot tall, and the eight to nine foot tall, uh, large, hairy brown creature, which, you know, I would call a Bigfoot. And he, he just talks about how, you know, being in that sedated state that he felt uh, uh, paralyzed and and really doesn't offer a lot more into insight in, into what actually happened there, except for he does say, the experiencer tells the, tells the investigator that he's done some research on his own and that uh, the thing he found that was interesting was that the investigator that uh, re referred to this type of case as the high weirdness factor. And I would agree with that. This does have a high weirdness factor. Like I said, 
you you've got two experiencers that are involved they see a total of four little people two bigfoot two ufo deaths there's uh two separate uh, simultaneous abductions one of the experiencers uh, feels like he's had to donate something or somehow save the life of an alien and and then then afterwards once um, you know whatever wore off that these two men were given uh, they seem to come to reality and any uh, any happiness excitement or whatever they experienced from meeting um, you know the cryptids the aliens is now replaced with just pretty much anxiety and fear and then the follow-up call after that you know to the to the one individual uh, where he just felt totally uh, threatened and this is something that you do run into sometimes in these cases where you'll have an experiencer that does seem pretty legitimate and then they have a uh, interaction with a supposed investigator after which they just decide that they don't want to talk about it anymore and this this here case uh, fits right into that. Now I did do a little bit of research in the uh, Larson Forest up there in California. I put a link to it on the website ufowarning.com. It's listed as one of the ten top top ten spooky forests in California. There's been some strange stuff going on up there. It is kind of in Bigfoot country. Uh, there are multiple UFO sightings in this in this area all the time. I mean, just type in the Lawson uh, National Forest and, you know, slash UFO, and you'll just get dozens of reports, everything from discs to orbs. So when I read this art, when I read this report, it had the ring of truth to it. I thought it was well-written, and I put a link to it online. But it's really, uh, it's one of those things that's kind of disturbing to think about. A couple guys just driving home, you know, down a lonely uh, forested road, and the next thing you know, They've been abducted by a couple of uh, giant cryptids, a couple little people, and they get to spend the night on a, on a couple of, uh, you know, medium-sized uh, disc-shaped UFOs. And afterwards, they've got nothing but grief to show for it. So take a look at the uh, take a look at the website. Take a look at some of these cases. They're fascinating. Uh, that's all for now. Over and out. UFOWarning.com.